0: This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by vo2gogo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training 4 years in a row. Visit vo2gogo.com/start for a free Getting Started in Voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's vo 2 start. start
1: Welcome to episode 155 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Elgott. And on this podcast, we interview writers, directors, casting directors, agents, managers, anyone involved in the (laughs) entertainment industry. I'm like, who else? Screw it. I'm moving on. I'm moving on without them. We'll do it live. We'll do do it live. God, that guy's crazy. Um, We won't be interviewing him, I don't think, anytime soon. Um, And uh, we package those interviews up into uh, this little podcast where we talk about the industry and then place it on the internet for people to listen to that is what we do
0: indeed and we're two dudes that started this thing because we just wanted to basically have a good excuse to reach out to these people sit down with them hear about their story build relationships with them and learn and that's really it uh aj and i've been in the industry for eh, combined i don't know man like what we just say like 15 17 20 years combined Probably like 20, I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah. So, so it's not like we, you know, don't know anything about it. We've, we've been on film sets and done some stuff, but we, you know, we like to always be learning. So uh, in that kind of framework, if you hear something on the show that you're like, guys, you got that wrong, um, or you hear something and you're like, wow, thank you for that nugget of gold, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Either way, you can find out a billion different ways to get in touch with us and the podcast and everybody involved with the podcast online at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com.
1: And on this episode, we've got a rickety rickety redux uh, interview. <laughs> We're uh, bringing back uh, one of our um, what do you like to call them, Trevor? Our evergreen epi- uh, evergreen interviews. One yeah. of our one of our one of our, one of our highlights. One of our timeless gold, timeless. timeless nuggets of interviewness, Pauline Wainwright. So stick around for that.
0: everybody, welcome to episode one What'd you do? Rick-a, rick-a, rick-a. Uh, I said, <laughs> ricka ricka reedogs. <rick-a. laughs> that was awesome, dude. Oh, well, how
1: are you, man? It's been a little... I, we, haven't, we, had, we didn't have you back last week, but now we have you back this week, so all is well in the world. I know. I feel... I, I actually, for the first time... Because usually, you know, it's just like scheduling stuff and whatever happens and, and we just can't... Uh, you know, you and I just can't be in the same internet at the same time
0: you you act like you're in a musical on broadway or something i mean it's, it's well not like I'm, you i'm you're, not anymore <laughs> i mean are you, oh I
1: it's done now isn't it i can't use that as, as an excuse yeah that's the other thing is like it it closed uh right before we were supposed to record last time so Fraser. uh so what was that like it was different and the same as closing any other show like there's always that bittersweet, you know. Like you're sad to see the show go, but you know it's theater and it's temporal and it's it's going to go away at some point anyway. So most people who do theater are sort of prepared for that. You're you're kind of like, well, you know, it's gonna it's gonna happen at some point, so you're just kind of ready for it. But you know, we had our our sort of final circle where we all went around and, and said a few words and. You know, one of the things that I appreciated that one of my castmates said is that this show will now be, you know, the yardstick against which I um, measure mm. shows in the future. Everyone was so tightly knit and and got along and and was enjoying the process and everything. So it it sort of reminded me of how you how people feel when they reminisce about like oh high school and college, you know those those years where. where everybody was just doing it for the joy and the love and, 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 and you have some jaded teacher or someone who, who you meet after you graduate and they're like, you know, don't get used to it. Cause it's never like that again. Mm-hmm. And those people are liars <laughs> because <laughs> it's totally, it's totally possible. It's just a matter of, I think everyone that comes together on a project, believing that it's possible. That's, that's what I'm going to miss um, the most. Hmm. You know, I, I had an acting coach I studied with
0: uh, years and years and years ago, and she said uh, acting is one of the most intimate ways to connect with people. And she really encouraged us to really meditate on that and meditate on the reasons why we do what we do and 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 what we're looking to accomplish in the world. And and it just, it, I think it's a really profound question to ask yourself when it comes down to it, because it really is one of the most um, intimate ways but but what you just said made me think it's not only one of the most intimate ways to connect with an audience but also with each other as as fellow artists and when you're in a cast and a big and a show like that the bond that you form so quickly and so deeply is is like it's it can be life-changing yeah that's powerful man Uh, and i know it's not easy to say goodbye to it but the cool thing is we're in the age of the internet so it's never goodbye permanently it's always only goodbye for a little while so what's keeping you busy now that you don't have eight, nine, no, eight shows a week? Now that you don't have eight shows a week to be doing?
1: Well, I, you know, I, I mentioned uh, on, in the last dispatch that I wrote and on a, a pre- previous episode of the podcast that one of my goals right now is to really just take no prisoners because, as I said in the dispatch, I have nothing to lose right now. Literally nothing to, to lose. And, and it's an interesting feeling because even if I move back to Los Angeles, I want to take this, this, this feeling with me because I wish this feeling upon any actor or any creative person or any person with a vision for that matter. Because right now I feel like, you know, I was looking at, um, this is just an example of the way that I'm thinking right now. I was looking at one of those like New York agency books, like the book of, like a, not a glossary, um, directory Mm-hmm. A directory of of New York agencies. They will often say, you know, here's how you submit, and we only accept submissions by mail only. And then right there, they put like an email address. Hmm. We only we only accept by mail, but here's our email address. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who cares? You know, if I email you and you and you a ignore my email because I didn't do it properly, or b you know you get upset because I didn't whatever whatever it is i'm like i don't care i have i have literally nothing to lose right now it is it is creating this sense of of reckless abandon which Mm. it feels great Mm. it feels great it feels like you know um i'm not playing by any particular rule set of rules any rule book i'm being super honest and transparent with with people which is being supportive like telling them like look I'm going to move back to LA because no one knows who I am here, but I'm going to stick around here and see if I can, you know, create those kind of relationships. And then almost immediately they go, Oh, well I know so-and-so you should meet them. And just really taking to heart everything that we've learned and talked about on the podcast about building relationships, et cetera, et cetera. And knowing that if people don't know who I am and I don't build these relationships, nothing's going to, I'm not going to be able to generate any, anyway. Right
0: that's powerful man i wonder how many people come across actors like that i mean i want, i think we all kind of inherently kind of understand that maybe we you know should there's that word what do you say you should stop shooting on yourself stop shooting on yourself yeah, i love that but you know i think we all kind of know that maybe we should have that kind of tenacity but how often do we actually do it how often do we have a, an approach uh, i'm sorry take no prisoners approach to like i've got nothing to lose i got one life to live that sounded really cheesy, but you know, like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) like, here we go. Let's, you know, fuck it. Here we go. I think that's powerful, man. That's, that's really cool. And I wouldn't, I will not be surprised if you create some astounding results in the next three months or however
1: long that you're there. I, 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 I'll tell you what, I, I am supposed to have a meeting, just a general meeting with the number one casting office in New York this week. And I'm going to take, all of this energy this like nothing to lose uh sort of reckless abandoned energy into that meeting with me and just be like super transparent with them too and just say exactly how what's going on in my life you know i came out here to do heathers heathers is now closed unless people learn who i am and 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 meet me and know what i'm about there's no reason for me to stay so here i am let's talk let's Let's jive, um, you know. Maybe bring me in for something, even if it's not right, just so you can see me work, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and let's go from there. So. I love
0: it, man. There's a homework for this week. Anybody out there listening to this that's feeling a little inspired? Because I know I'm feeling a little on fire right now just listening to you, AJ. Oh, uh, thanks. Anybody out there listening? Think of uh, one, the three ways that you can take a no hold, no. God, let me get this right. No prisoners. Yeah, take
1: no pri- take no prisoners or no holds barred. But there, thank they, you. I
0: was I was like no hold prisoners barred.
1: Yes, um, take that approach you're, you're to your binder.
0: Like what what does that look like? What, what how can you do that this week? And come up, you know, just take a piece of paper and a pen and think of two or three ways that you can that you can kind of manifest that uh, that
1: energy. Cool, stoked for you thanks man i'm i i really appreciate it and i'm glad that it's inspiring because um it it, i feel inspired i feel inspired i feel motivated and i'm looking forward to what whatever this creates
0: So this is the, both of these things, Heather's closing and the kind of you know, saying goodbye energy around that, as well as uh, the email thing you talked about. These are both great segues into some things we're going to be chatting about in this episode uh, because, number one, uh, we have very sad news to discuss, uh, which is the sudden unexpected passing of one of the greatest actors and entertainers of our time, which is Mr. Robin Williams. Um anybody listening to this i'm sure you've heard that uh, it's right now i believe it's a suspected suicide yeah and that he was struggling with depression and um i you know i remember watching goodwill hunting when i was in high school and uh watching robin williams and thinking to myself he is one of the greatest actors of our time like he is so phenomenal and so real and so touching and and all his work from his wackiest comedy you know zany stuff stand-up broadway whatever you know aladdin all that stuff all the way down to these really quiet intense roles like he was in um what was that movie about the uh the like the stalker um film development guy that works oh at the yeah uh one hour one hour photo? photo yeah god he just he was a really dynamic um amazing person and i think uh this is a perfect kind of context that we've just the conversation we've been having to, to mention his, his legacy, because I think he took a, a no prisoner, a take no prisoners approach to everything in his, in his career. I mean, his energy on screen, if you like, I watched good Norm good morning, Vietnam, the opening sequence where he's like the radio DJ and it is unbelievable. The guy, he just mm-hmm. knows how to improv and just, I think that was just a, a kind of philosophy of living for him. It was a real legacy. I think we can all learn a lot from his his journey. And if nothing else, it's that uh, depression and um, things that people experience. It, it's very real. I think people throw that word depression around a lot as if it's nothing. You know, like, oh, I'm feeling depressed today. I'm depressed. I'm depressed about this. I'm depressed about mm-hmm. that. It's like it, that, that's not a word that is dropped that casually because depression is a very real thing. And if you've ever... Actually, struggled with depression, you know how serious it is and how um, damaging it can be to all areas of your life. And so I think that the the lesson here is not to just write that person off, but to be in their lives, to ask how they're doing, to say, I'm here for you, what's up? And they may, you know, be totally kind of not unresponsive and whatnot. But I think the, the lesson here is to, is to just kind of check in with them and um, be proactively loving toward them. Uh, even if you feel like it's not worth it for you, because um, who knows what could have happened? I mean, I don't know what the circumstances are around. You know, Robin Williams is passing, but I wonder. I wonder if uh, he had someone like that in his life. Um, I'm sure he had many people like that in his life, but <clears throat> what yeah. what could have been different uh, had somebody made that phone call that maybe they were thinking of not making? And how many stories like that do we hear about all the time? You know, where somebody says, "I I wish I had just." Just said something.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Rest in peace, Robin Williams. Yeah. There, there, we didn't, we didn't really, when it happened, we didn't really talk about it, but, um, I wanted to sort of bring this up in the context of, of not only his passing, but also, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, we didn't, yeah. we didn't really talk about that, uh, when it happened, but Robin Williams, as of this recording, I mean, it just happened like 24 hours ago. Yeah. We keep getting hit in the face, whether it's a, a school shooting or, you know, the passing of a treasured artist. You know, in, in, there, in other countries, they, you know, certain artists, actors, painters, sculptors are considered national treasures. And I think that, you know, people like Philip Seymour Hoffman and Robin Williams are probably the closest we have to such a thing. Because yeah, sure they were famous, but they were famous for the right reasons. They weren't famous like you know the Kardashians are famous. Um, yeah. And uh, therefore, we like I said, we keep getting hit in the face. We whether it's a school shooting or the passing of a a national treasure like this with mental health issues in this country. And th- the thing is, is we have barely scratch the surface i mean the tip of the iceberg in terms of the research and and whatnot that goes into mental health and there's some ted talks that you reminded me trev actually because of what you were saying about being flippant with the word depression how people just kind of like throw it around there's this really great ted talk where a a guy um who's an expert on depression kind of talks about how we do that Mm. as a society yeah But, but more than that it just it's something that we're not we're taking it seriously but we keep getting distracted yeah (laughs) like like when it comes to school shootings it's like we talk about mental health but then the issue gets distracted because then we start talking about gun control and when it comes to someone like Philip Seymour Hoffman or Robin Williams it's like yeah we're talking about depression but then we get distracted by the grief or the loss or the fact that they were famous or what have you so I don't know, it, it feels like it feels like we're getting distracted and I I just wanna at least take a moment <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, here on the podcast because we talk about art and the creative life and sometimes intense emotion is is part of that. You know, we, we did talk about that when um Keith Ledger passed away. It was the same same yeah. sort of feel like this these these amazing actors who, who you know, they just feel so deeply that it it actually becomes not only their greatest asset their greatest talent their greatest blessing but also their greatest demon their greatest curse
0: yeah and i I think that's a you know a little bit of a throwback to what i mentioned in the beginning of the episode which was that acting teacher that said you know we've chosen as artists and especially as actors to connect (coughs) with people in a very intimate way so what is that about you know what, what? What is the the pull there? What's the compulsion to to pursue that kind of connection consistently, over and over and over again? And you know, you know what this makes me think of is um, I think it was Q that told me this. Caduce from um, a few a few dozen interviews back. Caduce, I, I don't know if our listeners remember, but he's a uh, producer and a television host. He was the host of uh, the vo- not was it the, no not the voice uh, duets for a while. Mm-hmm. And he sold a bunch of shows, and you'd recognize him if you saw a picture of him. Um, you can just Google it right now. If you're in front of your computer, Caduce, Q U D D U S. Anyway, he's, he's done a lot of kind of charity work over, overseas, especially I think uh, in Africa. And I remember, I think it was him telling me a story about how he was communicating with some of the, the locals in this village, and they said that we, they got into the topic of depression and whatnot, and it was something along the lines of them asking him what what do you do when when, uh, when you guys get depressed? And he, I guess he said, you know, we, we have medications for that and things. And they all kind of laughed or they all kind of chuckled or, or had a strange response to it. And he said, what's going on here? Why, why <laughs> What's funny about that? And they said, it's just funny that you guys create drugs and pills and things for this because when somebody in our village is feeling that way, we just all go crowd around them and hug them and spend time with them and listen to them and be with them. It's like no, no pills required. And that really, I mean, if you think about that, that is some pretty mm. profound shit. Yeah. So we only have a few minutes left, but, um, since we were, we kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, um, when you said you were kind of, uh, you know, just screw it, send an email instead of, uh, just sending a, a hard copy. Um, when they said they don't accept email submissions, but then list their email address. We got an email from, uh, a listener named Lee over in the UK, and he's been listening for a long time. He's a filmmaker. We've, 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 uh, linked to some of his stuff before and talked about him before he sent in various questions about, you know, coming overseas to work on a, you know, get a work visa and things like that. And he sent us an email that says, Basically, he finds it frustrating that casting directors don't make it easy for actors to, to submit to them, um, and what the context he's kind of saying this in is email. So he says he knows actors, um, casting directors rather, get tons of submissions, but why don't they accept them through email, especially international actors that wish to submit for big U.S. projects that are usually, those projects are usually more able to sponsor the U.S. work visa, or even small U.S. projects? He says a mailing address doesn't really do the trick because it can take up to two weeks for the mail sent to reach the U.S. and then the actor might miss the opportunity. And there's other kind of you know kind of problems with that. So he says, why why don't they list a public email address for for other <coughs> actors to to submit to, um, so that um, they're not closing themselves off to a lot of talented actors because in essence it's their job to find the right actor for the role. So I know what my kind of gut-level response is to this, um, but w- what comes up
1: for you right off the bat with this, AJ? I have both sides of a sort of devil's advocate argument to this. Um, on, on the one hand, in terms of agreeing with, with Lee, I agree with you, and I think it's, I don't know, it's almost like a campaign <laughs> to, 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 to go on to, to try and make this ch- a change across the, uh, across the industry because, you're, you know, in terms of, finding the right actor for the job like in the age of the internet you know there might be someone who lives in a village that like the one that Trevor was just mentioning about Caduceus' story that might be right for 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 a role you know um there's that actress on uh, uh Orange is the New Black uh what's she plays um crazy eyes what is her name um Uzo Aduba hmm. I think it's her name and she's from I think her family's from Nigeria uh, mm-hmm. She's a Nigerian immigrant. So anyway, point is, like, you know, the talent could, could potentially come from anywhere. So I'm agreeing with Lee on, on that point. In terms of playing devil's advocate, there's also a, um, what's that um, saying? Embarrassing? Embarrass- uh, embarrassment. Embarrassment of riches? Something like mm-hmm. that. Anyway, mm-hmm. point is, you know, a lot of casting directors are either, they're either old school or they do it for the sake of just not not being deluged with tons of, 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 emails. Yeah. They, they would basically prefer to deal directly with representation because, you know, if a casting director, um, and he makes mention of April Webster. So this almost doesn't apply, but if a casting director is, um, you know, works on big enough projects, they may actually just be working directly with some of the big agencies like CAA and William Morris and, 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 and whatnot to basically put together, um, what are called packages where they can get not just one actor but several actors and maybe even writers and directors and stuff from an agency because the agency puts together what's called a package and then they just like get several actors at, at once in, in one one fell swoop one big deal right? And, or they have offers out to people or what have you so in that way because they're dealing directly with representation they don't necessarily want to deal directly with actors and therefore, be you know, um, sort of buried under uh, a ton of submissions. Now, Lee kind of blows that out of the water by saying that he submitted actually to Ava Webster, who I I know, who's a you know big casting director. She's she works with J.J. Abrams all the time, and I guess he, she was kind enough to get back to him when he when he emailed her. Yeah, via email. Yeah. So, you know, that might actually just completely. You know, discount everything that I just said. So, I I don't know what. What is your? I'm curious. What's your gut level? What's this thing that you you said? It's your gut level response to this. Yeah. Well, basically everything you just said. I mean, about them
0: preferring to deal with uh, the people with whom they can negotiate. It just removes a step of the process for them. I mean, yes, their job is to find the right actor for the role, but that's why we have agents and managers and things because they have relationships with these people and they develop a trust and. They can basically save a lot of time, a lot of casting directors weeding through, you know, the bazillion, and I'm, I'm not even really exaggerating, it's like bazillions of submissions. Uh, somebody, you know, I interned at my um, agent's office for a little while, and within minutes of putting a breakdown out, we had thousands of responses. I mean, thousands, oh wow. thousands of responses, and that was just through like Actors <laughs> Access or LA Casting or one of those online things here. So imagine if you had an email address publicly listed. I mean, you'd have to have 10 full-time people going through those emails constantly. And then and then just to look at what the submissions are. And then you've got to deal with downloadable attachments and looking at people's websites and mm-hmm. responding to people. I mean, it just makes no sense on that level. So I think that the system that they've got set up is really just the most efficient for everybody. Now, does that mean that uh, a lot of good actors get kind of ignored or snubbed or or lost in the shuffle? Absolutely. And that's a tragedy of the system. It's a a casualty of the system. But that's another great reason to do what I think Lee is doing, which is proactively creating your own content, building a reputation for yourself, and building relationships with the right people. Not not necessarily the right people. That's the wrong way to put it. But, um, you know, people, just building relationships with people because that's, it's it is who you know it is who you know this is a relationship business and the more you show that you are a good person who does good work who's trustworthy who's generous who's got a giving hard-working spirit the the um the quote-unquote farther you're going to get
1: i think in anything so yeah that's that's uh that's what i think about that uh, yeah, well, it, it's a tough one. It's—I uh, I told you before we started recording, I was looking forward to answering this, and the reason why is because there's no real good answer. You know, there's, yeah, this yeah. is this is this is one of those questions where like it's a discussion, and there's there's arguments on both sides. And you know, he mentions uh, Sheila Guthrie in the email, and Sheila herself would say, "It depends." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it it does. It depends. It depends on the office. It depends on how they operate. You know, yeah. every single every single casting office is like its own little small business which she said in her interview and i i, I absolutely loved that because you know it just it, it it just sheds such a light on why it's so different like some people like receiving postcards and some people don't and some people like emails and some people like mail submissions and some people don't and some people have you know a crew of I'm sure april webster does have a crew of 10 full-time people she works all the time she can afford to pay them you know Like you were saying, Trev, like she might actually have like, you know, little worker bees who are who are actually the ones responding to him. So anyway, and I would say if there is a (coughs) magic
0: pill or a magic bullet, it is hard work, consistency. I mean, I just wrote about this in the last dispatch that that, uh, I sent hard work, consistency. What's Steve Martin say, be so good, they can't ignore you. Mm. So just (laughs) keep working on the craft, keep putting the word out, you know, and keep asking I can't stress this enough. Keep asking, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? How can I be of service to you? Cause when you have a servant's heart, the world is your oyster. The world opens to you when you come from a place of service. So, um, keep at it, Lee. I think you're, a, you're, I mean, just, you know, from <coughs> my vantage point, you're, you're really on the right track, man. So hang in there. I know it can be frustrating, but I think you've,
1: you're asking the right questions awesome so yeah. we've got some uh, some articles and stuff that we wanted to mention as well as a voicemail from long time listener uh, Stephen Fuller um, Ste- uh, I going... think Stefan Fuller or Stefan, Stefan Fuller Yeah. Oh my bad my yeah. bad player <laughs> um, yeah actually I don't know why I said it like that because I just listened to the voicemail before we started recording so sorry about that Stefan um, anyway uh, I just wanted to let him know uh, as well as our mm-hmm. listeners that those will be coming in a future episode because we are out of time like yeah. Artie McFly. Yeah. I <laughs>
0: never heard that. I like that, man. We are about to jump into the Rucker
2: Rooker Rooker
0: Redux. Nice. There it is. Oof. Boom. I was a little nervous to try that after you did it so perfectly. Uh, the, the Redux of uh, our chat with the Communicatrix, otherwise known as Colleen Wainwright. And this is one of those timeless interviews that I think is just so... We just need to hear this stuff more often, I think, in, uh, in our industry. So enjoy part one, guys, coming at you now, and we'll catch you on the other side. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, this is Trev and I'm thrilled to be sitting here with Colleen Wainwright, who many of you may know better as the Communicatrix Online. Colleen, thank you for being here with us.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
0: Totally. Uh, I, I found you initially through your LA casting column. You write a column for the, for their newsletter every month.
2: I do. I've um, been doing it for several years now.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's fantastic. And I eventually followed the links and then got to your website. And so I subscribe to your, your newsletter now on your website as well as pop by your website every once in a while to kind of dig through the archives. there's some really, really great stuff there. But I have to admit that you you do so many things that I almost don't know how to introduce you or or describe you. So for people who maybe aren't familiar with your work, what do you do?
2: (laughs) You're not alone, young Trevor. Many people have asked me this. Uh, The best way I have... Come to describe it is that I help people learn how to think and talk about themselves so that they're understood by other people. So it, yeah. a lot of what I do, and, and I know that sounds like real Lucy, but then it gets uh, there's some tighter applications in there. A lot of it's around marketing, and the weird thing is that we get these words like marketing or branding or whatever uh, promotion, and they get scary and obscure because we don't you know we attach all these other meanings to them and we don't really know what they are and really all of it is is—is it, it's all communication it's all how do I get what I am to you so that we can decide you know what to talk about or if we have something we can work on together or if we mesh or whatever um, and so that's what I try to do is try to help people see you know what sort of what they're what they are what they like and how to express that to somebody else so that they mm. can find fellow travelers and in business that means I teach them about marketing, a little bit about branding. Um, those are just sort of more outward signs of that. But mm-hmm. I like to think there's a bigger meaning, you know, <laughs> Like we're all trying to find ourselves. So right. I think that's the bigger work behind it.
0: Cool. And I think I think part of the reason that I was a little bit um, unsure of, of kind of where that fit in is because obviously, that's very applicable to actors. But but I almost feel like your writing isn't uh, in actor speak. So to speak, do you know what I mean by that?
2: Thank you. Um, and I, I think that's a really
0: good thing because <laughs> yeah. I, the more I, the more I'm, the longer I'm out of here and the more I, you know, I'm in this industry, I'm realizing that some of the most of the best stuff is stuff that is not just exclusive to actors; it's exclusive to your entire life. Right. Um, and so I feel like you really kind of you don't you don't pigeonhole yourself that way, and I think that's a really great thing.
2: Thanks. I try not to. I think. Uh, just as in acting, uh, we say the more specific you get, the more meaningful it will be to pretty much anyone, which seems counterintuitive, but that's how it works, right? The more specific you get about a feeling or an intention or whatever as an actor, that's how that works. And I think it's kind of the same thing with um, the things we learn. Uh, one of my old acting teachers, Cameron Thor, used to say that if you really want to learn about acting, read a book about kayaking. And, <laughs> and that was like one of those impenetrable cones back when I like heard him. Say I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I don't understand it. Like, should I go to the library and get a book about kayaking? Um, But obviously, you know, you left with that kind of understanding that you don't. Oh, it's hard to learn sometimes from something that's in that language that you're in all the time. It's like trying to understand what water is when you're swimming in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas if you can take a little bit of a step away from yourself, it's easier to learn.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's really. Profound, actually. <laughs> so, you, so, you used to be an actor, yes. So you came out from Chicago. We were talking a little bit before we started recording. You, you're from Chicago, and did you do the standard, like you know, hop on a plane or train out to L.A. and get off and start class and Stars in Your Eyes kind of thing, or how did, what was that journey like?
2: Well, I was a little more complex than that. I am pretty sure that I've secretly wanted to be an actor. Forgive um, me
0: for some oversimple, gross. No, 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 no,
2: no. I didn't mean to say. It. I didn't mean to say that that you'd put it in a derogatory. way. Way. I, I'm more outing myself as, like I said, secret actor. I wanted to be an actor, but I'd never really had the guts to just step out and do what you guys do because it was sort of frowned upon in my family. That wasn't a real thing to do; as that was for play. Um, so I had a very serious job. Uh, I was a copywriter at an ad agency, and I was moving up the ladder and making the big bucks and you know the corner office bullshit. Um, but with really good health insurance. And, um, and then <laughs> priorities, I, priorities. I know, I know. But I met and fell in love with a guy who was a stand up comic and did some, you know, comic acting and stuff. And he sort of helped me realize or helped me out myself as someone who hated her job and hated doing all this stuff. And we moved out here ostensibly for his career, um, but I got a job writing a television show. So I still wasn't even saying I was an actor at that point. And because um, almost immediately that fell apart, as things will, uh, I started taking improv classes uh, just to keep myself busy and to have some fun and to get out of the house. And that's where I discovered that what I really loved was um, standing on stage, having people laughing and applauding (laughs) to show me how much they loved me. So, wow yeah wow. that was my trajectory
0: so so I'm sorry I'm still stuck on the part where you started writing the television show how did that come about
2: um, through advertising I mean th- one of the reasons that I Tried to over and over explain to people not to hate, don't hate your stupid day job. You never know what it will teach you. Um, And through my own stupid day job and through actually another ex boyfriend, I met a guy who was a conductor composer. And he'd come up with this idea that he sold to teach, uh, to do a weekly kid show. It's like a Saturday morning show teaching kids about the arts and especially music in kind of a fun, hip way. So he wasn't really a writer. He'd come up with the idea and he said, Hey, if you come out and, you know, be co-writer on this and do the heavy lifting um then you know you have a job writing a television show so i came out and wrote the pilots and it was so much fun and it was like this is great i love hollywood you know cuz i thought that's how it works right. and then i right. saw how it also works, which is that yeah that'll happen and then it all oh, goes away and all those people that you thought were going to help you out don't and you know <laughs> it's just it was a good lesson
0: yeah. Wow. Wow. That reminds me of, uh, I was at the Ovation Awards this past year and French Stewart, uh, <laughs> was one of the, the presenters and he just, <laughs> he said, you know, originally I wasn't supposed to be here. And he says, because I got a job. You know what happened? Job went away, and it was just funny the way he put it because it was just we all kind of knew exactly what he meant. Like sometimes it lands, and then if you're lucky, it sticks around. You know
2: exactly. Yeah. Do not cash the check until it's in your hand, and then yeah. run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so the
0: acting thing, you did it for a little while here. You did some improv. You said, and "I
2: did. I did some improv. I joined. Um, I got into the Groundlings uh, school. We're a le- I mean, I'm not chilling for them. I'm saying where I was, um, but it's an excellent program. And I worked my way up pretty." quickly I, I don't know why there just kept being openings in the next class above so i I got through the whole thing it was crazy i was in and spat out of sunday company in two and a half years which is unheard of i guess now uh but because of that i i had some connections and you know i got an agent a commercial agent and did a little some tiny tiny tv and film work um not very well uh and, and i wound up you know, trying and trying and trying to bust into TV and film and did a lot of theater. Um, and then, but I just kept making, I just kept making money doing commercials, you know, darn, <laughs> 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 which I was grateful for, but probably not as grateful as I could have been. Um, so that was really my, my, you know, esteemed career was mostly as a grunt in theater and, and then doing commercials a because, grunt in theater. <laughs> well, you know, I, I didn't have the chops. Like I, I was coming in, in my thirties, my mid thirties and all the people who were, you know, it's like, there's, um, uh, uh, no shortage here, as you know, of white women in their 30s um, looking for jobs uh, who are just slightly funny uh, around the edges. And so, yeah, I was always up against these women who had just amazing careers and tremendous chops. I couldn't, it was difficult to even really be jealous of them because, like, come on, they could run circles around me acting wise. Hmm. Um, so I did. I played tiny, tiny parts. I was, And I, my, my my one stupid day job as an actor, I was like the world's oldest gopher. <laughs> I was like a 36-year-old getting people coffee and making <laughs> copies. Oh, oh, man. Yeah, it was good times.
0: So, so, so when did, did was this something that you kind of knew all along, or was there a, a switch or something that happened that when, one day you said, you know what, maybe this isn't the right kind of career path for me?
2: Two things happened. I mean, I mean actually, several things happened, but um, one small thing and one really big thing. And um, the small thing was, I remember um, a friend of mine who's now a very good friend of my writing partner. Said, we were just talking about acting one at one point. And I you know I'm like complaining about how hard it is and all the rehearsing, and it's so hard. And I, you know, isn't it just so hard it's being in pain all the time? And especially when, you know, you have, when you do comedy, when you're really going to do it, you have to actually feel the feelings. And so it's 10 times worse because then people are laughing and you're feeling horrible. And she's like, Oh, I love going home to practice, you know, like crying and feeling bad and stirring up all those emotions. I'm like, What? Like you do that for fun? Okay. <laughs> okay. I am not an actor. That's number one. Um, and then the other thing was, honestly, I had um, like a, a medical crisis it, it, right around right after I turned 40 I wound up getting extremely ill extremely fast it was difficult to diagnose and that I would just wound up in a hospital uh, for 11 days where they you know quickly figured out what was wrong with me I uh, Crohn's disease but it was a severe onset so I'd lost quite a bit of weight and um, quite a bit of blood the hard way and mm. in the hospital I had an epiphany like you know full-on white light crazy time, you know, the whole nine yards. And after that, I, it was just very hard for me to do anything that wasn't really meaningful for me. And since I wasn't getting the parts where I really felt like I could do my best work, I wasn't getting to work on the things that I wanted to do most. I definitely was like overdoing commercials at that point. Um, it was sort of a combination of the the business saying, bye, Colleen, move on, and me saying, yeah, really, it's time to go. I'm getting, I'm turning into one of those grouchy old ladies at commercial auditions who's, you know, complaining about the parking and this and that. And that's, I had always said, if I'm, if I turn into one of those, I gotta go.
0: Shoot me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. So, uh, if you don't mind me asking about how old were you when that, when that kicked in for you?
2: Um well I, I got ill it was it, actually it was 10 years it'll be 10 years this uh, September that I was hospitalized so I was 41 just okay. turned, I just turned I got a colonoscopy on my birthday and the nurses ate my cake um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> visual for yeah, you
2: so, so much fun <laughs> and then um, I it took me a few years to sort of get out and move into the next thing I'd been doing graphic design on the side and but that's really what got me into writing again um, I take and a long break from writing because I'd had such a dev- devastating experience um, getting <laughs> getting kicked out of the groundlings. Um, so I just stopped writing. And I got back into writing and I just, just quit messing around. I just quit fucking around. It's like, all right, let's just do this and started to blog. And um, I took the graphic design work that I'd sort of been doing on the side and thought well, I'll try and turn that into a career and I did that for a while and then wound up moving it more into consulting and speaking which Wow is the mix so, I'm doing now yeah
0: so it just kind of organically uh, came about
2: very much wow very much like I could not I mean I'm still trying to make it something <laughs> like it's I find not very useful which is weird because it always I had this very strong will and I would just you know I want to do this okay I'm gonna will it into being and it seemed to work that way and it doesn't work that way anymore so yeah yeah, I gotta uh-huh. kind of let go.
0: Wow, wow. Well, I, I've learned so much from from your work. I mean, your blog. I mean, I, I read the post where you were reading uh, fifty books or fifty two books in yes. fifty two weeks. So I actually I attempted that, and I was on track for about fourteen weeks, and then just other things got in, and I was like, uh, this is like stopping my life in a way <laughs> for for me personally. <laughs> Maybe right. I was picking books that were too challenging or or whatever it was. But um, I, I think what it did for me more than anything was just kind of inspire a, a an attention to learning as a, as a, as a conscious practice. Um, and, you know, not just learning about, you know, the, the business or the just marketing it was learning as, as, as all, as it all is in one bucket, if that's, if that makes any sense.
2: Absolutely.
0: So, um, so I really enjoyed that. And um, I've gotten a lot out of it as a person that's definitely applicable to my acting. So that said, you write the column for LA casting. What do you see actors doing that both, is great and they should be doing more of and that maybe is awful and they're just shooting themselves in the foot over and over again?
2: Oh man, that's an excellent question. Um, cause it goes way beyond the pet peeve thing. Um, <laughs> my, of course my pet peeve, I do have to just get out of the way. Is like, it's unbelievable to me that I say over and over and over, like I explain to people how to, you know, approach people in an email, how to market themselves, how to do all these things. And then it's like they, you know, they, and this, I say, the one thing is, please, please, please don't email me on like how to get an agent. And then, of course, what is email? Can <laughs> right. you look at my good reel? Idea. Like, don't <laughs> yeah. send attachments and don't ask me how to get an agent. Gigantic attachments. And Could you help me get an agent?
0: I'm guilty of that, too. Right after you said the thing about how to get your emails answered, right. which was basically keep it short and to the point, right. I sent you this
2: long email. I know, but it was charming. You actually <laughs> cool. did a really good job. And the truth is that uh, all rules are made to be broken. Um, that's how we have new rules, and that's how change happens. But, you know, the, you better know... Know that you're breaking them and, and right. you better know that that you're rolling the dice doing that, which you did a great job with that. So kudos to you. Cool. And Thank you. Well,
0: it worked. Yeah, so. it did work. Here we are. <laughs> um,
2: so I think the thing that actors do that's good is I. Oh, man, the, they follow their passion. And I think that is excellent. I think that's why other people like, the people who like to be around actors like to be around them, is because they're very alive. And like you said about, you know, um, just the aspect of getting inspired that you could change, that you could uh, take on this new habit of reading, that you could learn things. You know, that's really what you're doing when you're trying to do anything. It's not necessarily about getting the knowledge, although that's certainly a wonderful byproduct. And I love reading because I learn things, but also it's keeping me in that constant um, state of flux. Of change, of you know, being able to embrace whatever comes next, um, and that actors can stay open and ready is just so beautiful and so inspiring to me. And that's again, it's another reason I realize I'm not an actor. It's like I don't mind doing it; I just don't like doing it in front of people <laughs> Big and difference. crying and stuff, right. yeah. um, or feeling those horrible feelings uh, when I'm when I don't actually have to be feeling them, except because I'm getting paid to do it. <laughs> um, so that's the thing I think actors do that's great. What's frustr- what frustrates me is what- is I see, and I know it, cause I- I'm- I'm guilty of it myself, I think it's just a human thing, uh, of not- living in the moment of not really accepting where they are and saying and like projecting themselves onto the stage of the Kodak Theater accepting the award or projecting them into this you know number three on the sitcom you know sort of thing where you're always like looking at the thing you want to have and not to say it's not great to have goals but you miss so much Hmm. by projecting yourself into the future and isn't it ironic that the whole thing about acting is you know the more you let go the more you're in the moment the better you are and as actors actors a lot of times what we do and i'll include myself just because i'm gonna lump us all in as artists um we still look to outside things and you know we we grumble about things that have happened in the past and we like worry about things that haven't happened in the future and we miss the moment we're in right now and this example of what you're doing right now with this show is fantastic because it's like you know you, you you guys could be just sitting around saying, oh, well, you know, we really just want to be famous and have a this or that. It's like, no, we want to learn. We want to meet these people. Let's see what we can make ourselves right now. Let's have a conversation right now with someone who's interesting to us mm-hmm. and share that stuff. And that that's cool. Like, if you can turn it around and live in the moment, that's awesome. But, man, actors, actors, stop like projecting yourself into the future. You have, there may not be a future. You may die tomorrow.
0: That's a good point. And I think I might not think. I mean, I read a book uh, recently. God, what was it? I think it may have been a couple different books that said the same thing. But it was about goals and, and goal attainment and that kind of thing. And, and they all kind of seem to say, you know, think about your goals. You know, visualize them. Project yourself there for a specific amount of time every day. And then once you're done, just let it go. Like Let it go as if you had just given instructions to a friend that you really, really trust. Just let it go and then go on about your day being present. And that was a total paradigm shift for me because I was always like, no, I got to constantly be thinking about what I want. And what what that turned into for me was I'm constantly thinking about the things I don't have. Right. And then when I learned to be like, okay, just see it, feel the emotions, whatever I need to do, and then just let it go and then come back maybe before I go to bed do it again. But the rest of the day I'm in the present moment. And that made a big difference for me.
2: I'm totally getting at that. And let me tell you how ahead of the game you are to get this at this young, at this tender age. Tender age of I'm not at a tender age anymore. And I'm still looking at am like, I got a ways to go. Don't count me out yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, let's talk a little bit about that. Because you okay. had this great campaign called 50 for, for 50 or 50 of. Yeah. I'm 50 totally 50. butchering yeah. it, of course. That's all right. But um, tell us a little bit about that. Because that was really, really cool what you did there.
2: Uh, thank you. It was really your, exciting. Your
0: haircut is still kind of the, the remnants of. Of of that uh, campaign.
2: Yes, yes, which will, well, I suppose there'll be a picture accompanying this. Um, (laughs) So people can gaze at my beautiful uh, skull shape. Doom. Yeah. So. I am one of those people who worries – You know, talk about projecting yourself in the future – worries about like, well, you know, I need to start getting myself used to the idea that I'm going to be X number of years old way in advance. So I've been thinking about my 50th birthday for a long time. Not that I was like worried necessarily about being like old because I'm not an actor anymore. Who cares? Um, But uh, it's a big number and I felt like I had a market somehow, but I wasn't really sure how to do it and I didn't really feel like doing any of the things I'd done for other previous big birthdays or even small birthdays. So um, after much discussion and reflection and, uh, frankly, an ex-boyfriend calling me a number of things, including a big selfish asshole, uh, I said, well, what if I you know, used my birthday, my big 50th birthday, as a way to give something back? And I, over the course of like two years to 18 months, concocted, like kind of put it together in pieces, this idea of raising a ton of money and attention using all the things I'd learned about social media and marketing uh, for a worthy cause, and I knew this organization 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 in town here in L.A. called Right Girl, and they always need money. They're fantastic. They uh, mentor high school girls from underserved areas. And I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to raise $50,000 in the 50 days leading up to my 50th birthday for them. And and if I did that, I told the world in a fabulous video, which you can still view on YouTube, um, (laughs) that I will shave my head at the culminating party slash fundraiser. And the amazing thing was, I think we, in the first 24 hours, we did $10,000. It was like, it blew my mind. because yeah. I was terrified. I was like, I was so sure. You know, I talked to a few friends and they're like, yeah, we'll be good for this much. And so I was like, okay, at least I'll get like $1,500. It won't be a complete embarrassment. <laughs> but, you know, it could it, it be very yeah. embarrassing. Uh, and it was overwhelming um, having that happen. And we ended up, we got a matching grant too. So we ended up raising $111,000, Wow, I know, in the 50 days. All which was, for charity. Yeah. Offer this one nonprofit, which enabled them to keep their doors open. And, you know, also because of the buzz and the attention. You know, help them get some more money and grants and stuff like that. So they're doing well. They actually have a reserve this year, which is unbelievable. That's great. Yeah.
0: That's great. Do they have a plaque up somewhere with your name on it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be embarrassing. Um, no, but I do get to go, you know, like every once in a while they'll have a workshop where there's something that ostensibly I know something about and can speak about. So mm-hmm. like I'll be on a panel or go visit them or talk to them and it's really nice. It's so I mean it's always great being around them. Even before I did anything like this, I just go speak every now and then. But now knowing that like i had a hand in them being able to be there like personally it's just it's it's totally enough just to be there and see them they're they're amazing women and girls
0: yeah i remember watching that campaign and watching it unfold and being like whoa that's crazy and the cool thing is is it was completely selfless i mean it it wasn't like you were pushing a film that you wanted to make or an album that you wanted to record or or anything like that it was it was all just to kind of you know obviously mark a time in your life but that was about as, as selfish as it got.
2: I don't know. It's interesting you say that. I mean, I, obviously they got a lot of money um and i did not but um i honestly think i got more out of it than anyone frankly i mean I
0: uh, it definitely put you on my radar that was I'll, about when i came to find to right. discover your work that,
2: i mean that's part of it i guess a lot of people saw me but i have never felt so powerful or so good or so connected um or so part of the world as i did doing that it really i mean it was actually kind of terrifying because afterwards i'm like well now what It really left a vacuum it was so big hmm. uh so that was that was part of it but um Yeah, I think uh, the other reason, honestly, like I'm not kidding that a part of it was – I was going to prove that I was not a selfish asshole. And that's kind of selfish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) See, look at me. Look at me. I'm not selfish. See, look, I'm not. Look what I did. I'm not selfish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I wouldn't call it completely selfless. Um, It was easier in a lot of ways for me. I have issues around money and it was easier for me to do it on behalf of someone else than Hmm. to say I'm worth it and support me in this. I mean, I'm still struggling with that sort of stuff. We're all on a journey, yeah, Trevor. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, so um, but yes, I thank you. I appreciate it. It, I, I, it was not the most selfish thing I have ever done. Let's put it that
0: way. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Any um, major kind of big lessons that uh, that you care to share about that experience in particular?
2: Oh, there's so many things I learned. Um, one is to always, always start early. I mean, planning. Planning, planning, planning. <laughs> there were things right that happened. On. I was really lucky that just, uh, you know, I've talked about having to let go. Um, I realized about two weeks in, it's like, wow, I'm completely unprepared to deal with this. And I had to like... Cancel all my work, and um, fortunately, I had a reserve of cash because um, I'm cheap and I don't like to spend money. So I, you know, I burned through a bunch of savings. Um, just just focusing on fifty for fifty, um, but asking for help is huge. Uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. You got to ask for help. Nobody does it alone. Um, and another weird thing, and I know I should have known this before, because like my God, I was really sick when I got sick ten years ago. But you have to take care of the physical plant. Like, you have to take time to take a walk. You have to eat right. You have to take care of yourself. Uh, and I know that like we're sort of physically obsessed here in LA and everyone wants to look really good, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about fitness, like get the sleep you need, get, you know, do mm. not overdo it on coffee, yeah. like just take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, so those were the, those were kind of like the big lessons. Uh, cause I, I definitely burned myself out on that one and it's been a really slow, long, slow recovery from it.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, it's definitely something to be, uh, to, if you're going to be burned out on anything, it's yeah, it was worth it. definitely <laughs> something to be worth it. Cool.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back from the Redux. That one was a little. That one was a little weird. That one was was really good. That was like I had to throw up or something. (laughs) Um, uh, Hope you dug it. Um, I'm actually. I'm really hoping that somebody listened to that for the first time Mm -hmm. just now. That was. That would be uh, my, my my dream. That would make all my dreams come true. I could die a happy man knowing mm. that that was the first time someone heard that. Part two coming next week, Trev? Yes? Yes, yes. indeed. Yes, indeed. And, and while you guys were listening
0: to that interview, AJ and I were on clickhole.com. <laughs> That's click, as in like a mouse clickhole.com.
1: It's not a porn site. Yeah. It's not a porn website. We were talking about... Um, we were talking about link baiting on, on Facebook and other social media sites like Twitter and Tumblr and stuff,
0: Yeah, which was an
1: altogether new term to me. Link baiting. It's, it's surprising to me. I mean, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like, they're probably interested in people not knowing what the hell that means because otherwise they won't be able to link bait you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, link baiting is like all this crap that you see on social media these days. It's like, you know, lists uh, or quizzes or viral videos or whatever, and it's just to get you to click on something so that the adver- you know—they can make money off of their advertisements, um, and. Uh, BuzzFeed is kind of the king of this right now and and so the onion who are brilliant at um, satirizing and lambasting everyone created the answer to BuzzFeed, which is called clickhole.com and it's it's not it's it's funny because i I I'd never thought about making something like this my pick of the week, but uh maybe I should have oh so's a little just a little pick of the week point five looking at these article titles and they're
0: hilarious they're so funny these clowns are still beautiful even without their makeup (laughs) (laughs) this one says we put a gopro on grandpa to see what heaven looked like
1: (laughs) oh my god that's awful
0: nine microwave buttons you've never used
1: (laughs) My favorite is uh, eight baby penguins that are pretty cute, but don't stand a chance against Hillary Clinton <laughs> in
0: 2016. It's beautiful. Oh, God. The Onion is the best thing ever. The Onion and The Daily Show are like two of my favorite things in
1: the world. We need it. We need it. We need we to. Yes. For, for to obvious this. reasons. Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. Oh. What is anyway, your uh, pick of the week, dude? My, my actual pick of the week. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, my actual pick of the week, um, I was thinking about, you know, Robin Williams and, and some of my favorite, uh, you know, performances of his. And, you know, you mentioned Goodwill Hunting and a lot of people sort of look to that as being one of his first, you know, dramatic performances. But you also mentioned, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Good Morning Vietnam. And that's my, that's my pick of the week because it's, it's, it's old enough now that there, there's a chance that people may have not actually seen it. Yeah. Um, the World According to Garp actually came before that, uh, a couple years before that. love actually, that, I, like, that book. It's a, f- a great book. Five, five years before that. Yeah. And, you know, it's another sort of comedy and drama mix, just like Good Morning Vietnam is. But um, his performance in Good Morning Vietnam is, I think, Oscar worthy. I, I don't think he was nominated. Uh, I'm actually, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Academy Awards. He was, he was, he was nominated. Best Actor in a Leading Role. So. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it was worthy of a nomination. I don't know who he lost to. Um, you know, we can research that later. It was 1987. But yeah. does anybody ever like, really lose? Though I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, like you, he, he didn't get a statue, but you know. yeah, yeah. But uh, but you know, he did end up winning later for for Good Morning Vietnam or for yeah. um, Goodwill Hunting rather, and if it, it's just one of those movies where like if you've never seen it uh it's a really really good movie i mean it's just it's super funny and there's some really intense moments and you know it's it deals with some stuff that we're still dealing with in terms of war and yeah. and um you know obviously questions of should we be there because uh you know vietnam was uh, a, 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 such a controversial conflict and yeah. adrian Cronauer was a was a real person he was a real dj um, and I've seen I've seen footage of, of him as well. And he was funny. He wasn't Robin Williams funny, but he was fun- <laughs> You know, I, I, that's one thing I
0: really like about Robin Williams' uh, career. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's a brilliant actor, but he also chose really empowering films to do. I mean, it was his spirit that really kind of brought those films to, you know, gave them the kind of gravity that they have and the sort of impact that they have. But every one of his roles was it was empowering in some way, even movies like one hour photo. There was a, a sensitivity and, uh, and something like that. I don't know. I feel like they all kind of, they were more than just entertainment. They weren't movies. They were films, most of them. Mm. And it was because I think he, he understood the, the responsibility that we have as, as actors and people who kind of co-create culture through one of the most kind of, um, influential media, the, the that there is right now. Mm. And uh, he took that seriously, I think. And, uh, I think good morning Vietnam and movies like patch Adams and things like that are, are great examples of, of what he was creating in the world.
1: Obviously he is leaving a legacy and that's, you know, I think we all leave a legacy. It's just a matter of choosing what that legacy is going to be. Yeah. 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 Very much. So, I hope people remember him for his films and not for the way that he, you know, bid us all adieu. but, um, hmm. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so that's my, my pick of the week. Cool. What is your pick of the week, my friend? Uh, it's a book called vagabonding
0: <laughs> by a guy named Rolf Potts, which is a very cool name. I've decided, uh, the, <laughs> the vagabonding is a word that he kind of made up, but it actually turns out that it was actually made up before him by, um, by another author of a book he stumbled across and it essentially means traveling long term the art of traveling long term and how to do it and things to watch out for and things to take note of and just a great book you know and i, I was inspired <coughs> i picked it up years and years ago because i just i i have a, just a touch of the travel bug and i've never indulged it ever and my younger brother just got back from six weeks trekking across Central America, um, seeing you know the Mayan ruins and all this stuff. And he was on his own for most of it, and just staying in hostels. and And he's been staying with me on the couch these past couple of weeks, and we've just been talking about his journey. And it's just it kind of reignited the uh, the that that kind of like intense interest I have in just getting out there and seeing the world. And really, um, there was a quote. Uh, that I read a while ago that said something along the lines of, if life is a book and if you're not traveling, you're only reading the first page. And uh, I really took that to heart. That really resonated with me. And so I picked this book off the shelf that I bought like five, six years ago and, and finally read it cover to cover. And it's really more of a book that's kind of a guidebook. I think it's designed to be like, oh, you flip to the part where, you know, he talks about this element of travel and you use that, what you learn there. And he's got a ton of resources that he lists and on his website you can find updated lists of of things as as times change but really cool book man just if you're thinking at all about traveling um totally worth it in fact uh, in fact our friend jason Liu, uh i think you know jason aj oh yeah um he just took off for thailand a few months ago and he Mm -hmm. actually uh i gave him this book to borrow and he read it like in like a week and then he took off and then i i posted a, a picture of this book on my facebook page saying that it was really good and he commented and he said oh i've been in I think he said Thailand. He's like I've been in Thailand for 4 months and not coming back anytime soon. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it works. It can be done and I think uh it's a good exercise especially for people in our industry uh, because it's so easy to get caught up in the kind of tiny little bubble that is Hollywood and that is New York City and that is, you know, the entertainment industry at, at large and uh there's a lot more to see out there, a lot more to experience, there's a lot of people out there that Don't watch movies and live a completely different life and uh, find uh, happiness and satisfaction and, uh, you know, rich life experiences in different things. And I think it's important that we expose ourselves to that in person uh, at one point in our lives, at least. So it was a good book, man. Vagabonding by Rolf Potts. Link on our website. And if you decide you want to purchase the actual book, and I recommend picking up (coughs) the hardcover copy, Please buy it from our website. Use a link on our site, and uh, it supports the podcast. We get like a a few pennies, I think, of the purchase price, but it's a, it's an easy way for you to give a little bit of love to this thing we do.
1: Uh, I, I saw. I actually saw the Facebook post that you mentioned where you posted the picture, and I'm really glad that you made it your pick of the week because I was, when I saw that, that, that picture and you saying like, Oh, I got the traveling bug. And I was like, you know, traveling is something that I love doing when I do it. And I, I always am feeling like the, the, the wants to get back to it sort of, uh, mm. if that makes sense. And, um, I'm actually, I'm, I think I'm going to be, uh, picking this book up and, and reading it cool cool yeah it's a good one and like i said it's more of like a
0: guidebook and less of a cover-to-cover kind of book but um yeah it's good stuff and you know to be honest i I have like never traveled to be honest i'm i'm very much an amateur in that sense i I think the only travel i've ever really done was when i drove from philadelphia to los angeles on my own over the course of three weeks wow Um, but i didn't know what i was doing i I had you know it it was just i don't really count that so i've I, i feel very
1: uh i feel very much like a noob when it comes to this stuff, so um, yeah, dude, you gotta you gotta get out there. Yeah, it, it's um, yeah. it it is life changing because it um because of the exposure to just different cultures and and what that it's not it's not necessarily about the exposure itself, but about you being in that context and 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 sort of being able to compare that to your own con- like how you how you live. Yeah, I, so you I, see, you know how other people live and exist and what that's like. And then you can sort of compare it to your own life. And that, I think that juxtaposition is where the learning takes place. Yeah. I think it's, at least that was my, that was my experience.
0: I sense it's a pretty crucial experience for, for anybody really, but especially creative types. And, and I'm in a place in my career right now where I, I I don't feel the kind of rush, get it done. Now the clock is ticking kind of stuff that I felt in my twenties. Um, I just feel much. And I think this is pretty normal. I think I'm probably right on schedule any older listeners listening to this. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I feel much more kind of like um you know, no rush man. Like I, I I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it and the inter- industry will always be here. And you know, there's all this idea about like you've got to have certain number of co-star roles on your resume by a certain age or people start wondering what's wrong with you, quote unquote. And I'm at the point now where I'm like screw it. Like if I decide to leave for a few months or a year or two, and then come back, I'll make it work. Like, I have no doubts mm-hmm. that, I can, that I can make it work without adhering to some formula or some set of rules because, like Sheila says, it depends. Uh, I don't see myself as somebody who's, who's going to get lost in the, the rules of things, and nor do I care so much anymore, mm-hmm. you know? So it's a good freeing feeling. So this, this book was a, a paradigm shift for me on a lot of different levels. Uh, sweet. All right, so listener pick of the week because we are quickly running out of time. Comes from listener Lee Vang. Uh, I wanted to say his last name so we don't confuse him with the Lee Neville from earlier in the show. Uh, and uh, Lee sent us a pic. Um, that's an indie musician, and her name is Lindsay Sterling. Maybe you guys have heard of her. She's a kind of a solo violinist kind of person, and she's really kind of she adds some cool like dancing stuff in. I, I've seen her videos on YouTube, and uh, Lee basically wanted to. To highlight her because she's been around for a couple of years, but she's gone mainstream completely on her own. She's a self-made musician with a very original sound. And Lee says that she was originally on America's Got Talent in 2010. And Piers Morgan and Sharon Osbourne, two of two judges who are people that you know are kind of in high places in in the world, um, they told her she'd never make it in the industry, that she'd never sell out a theater with even a hundred seats. And Piers Morgan even told her she sounded like drowned rats being strangled. Um, Ouch. She tried going to the the industry record label route, submitting to agencies and stuff, going to Vegas and whatnot. Everyone turned her down. So she just started her own YouTube channel. She edits and produces her own videos. She's got 5 million fans, half a billion views, two self-produced albums, her own record label, and a world tour that she created. So she's a self-made success story, and she's proved all those people wrong. And uh, I think she's, he even says in her re-release album, she thanks Piers Morgan for giving her the strong motivation to prove somebody wrong. And uh, Lee submits a, a link to us as well for a song called Crystallize that she does. And he says that more than anything she reminds him and all of us that we all have the tools to create our own work and we can't let what other people say about us, bring us down regardless of their industry professionals or not. Uh, and then he even says, you know, he knows we have a, a kind of uh, informal rule for guests on the podcast, but he thinks it'd be really cool to have her on the, sh- on the show. Cause she's based in LA and he's, she seems really humble and down to earth and she's self-made and, and I for one would love to sit down with, with her. So to learn more about her, check out our our website. Uh, Her info and link and whatnot is uh, in the show notes uh, of this episode. But Lindsay Sterling, awesome chick. And hopefully future IAP guest. Yeah, (laughs) hopefully future IAP guest, absolutely. (laughs) So thank you, Lee, for the uh, the listener pick. Uh,
1: Let's see here. We have uh, a patron patron. of the week. Yes, patron of the week. Do you want to take it away? Yeah, patron of the week uh, this week is Kenan Falk. I think he may have been a patron of the week before. Um, his blurb on our website says it took him 10 years out of high school to finally admit to himself that he had a dream. You know, that's not uncommon. And we've heard it many, many times on the podcast here. Um, he's based out of Tucson, Arizona, here in the States, and is finally accomplishing that dream by working as an actor and a voiceover artist while maintaining his day job as a pyro technician and production assistant to a local Wild West stunt show. That sounds like one of the best Thrival jobs I've ever heard. Yeah, no shit. Basically, that sounds awesome. basically gets to blow shit up <laughs> uh, and watch other guys uh, hurt themselves in this show. It's, that's pretty awesome. Though he's new to the industry, uh, he is working hard to build experience in film and voiceover. Uh, it's take him to a major market someday soon. Well, you're doing the right stuff. And, and, um, and I'm not just talking about being our patron. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking yeah. about uh, you know making your own stuff, continuing to work, um, continuing to get better, and build um, not only your resume but your library of content mm. um, to take with you to um, a major market. Not only as a uh, a calling card but as a body of work and a body of experience so <clears throat> well done there amen he's and he's just a good dude too i've exchanged a few emails with him
0: here and there, and um you know just via our, our podcast email and he's just a, a really good guy so uh, good dude to know uh make sure you guys check him out on our um patron page and in the show notes of this episode and uh hey you know find him on facebook twitter reach out to him you know start building relationships it, it never hurts to know more awesome people in this industry and that's mm-hmm. kind of one of the reasons we like to highlight these people who support us on a monthly basis is because they're just obviously awesome people to know they're they're exercising the what can i do for you muscle and uh and we want to give it back you know pay it forward and, and make sure that um we all win with this thing because nobody gets to the top alone what's the saying all boats rise with the tide mm-hmm. firm believer in that in that one so uh, loan. I think it's that about does spend for episode 155
1: Yay. yeah yeah, right, sweet
0: so you guys know how to get in touch with us iTunes Twitter Facebook you know the usual kind of rundown uh, we're kind of tight on time so we don't need to go through all of it right now but uh, feel free to leave us a iTunes review and or a don- donation we uh, love both of those and they both go a long way for us and I think that's it
1: Yes, sir. All right.
0: all right. So for Jen, our Jen Levin, our production coordinator, Cesar Gaminio, our technical producer, Gadali Gubarek, who's our marketing and web director, and Deborah Smith, uh, for whom we are still creating a title, but she is definitely lifting some heavy weight behind the scenes. Uh, for all those people, I am your
1: co-host, Trevor Algod, And I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime... This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your character and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at RehearsalTheApp.com download. That's RehearsalTheApp.com download.